This is Ethan Burnick, and as the election approaches, I wanted to talk with someone who knows a little bit about how elections are administered in the United States. And so in this episode of Mastering Public Service, I'm talking with Connie Schmidt, the election commissioner for Johnson County, Kansas, the largest county in the state. Connie served as the election commissioner from 1995 to 2005 before owning and running an election consulting business that has provided consulting services to numerous local and state agencies. Connie was reappointed by the Secretary of State to serve as election commissioner for Johnson County in February of 2020 and has worked in local government in Johnson County for a total of 31 years, previously serving as city clerk for the city of Merriam, Kansas. In 2004, she received the National Association of Secretaries of State's Medallion Award for Outstanding Service to American Democracy. In 2005, she received a Lifetime Membership Award from the Election Center, and in 2007, received the Election Hall of Fame Award from that same organization. It is safe to say that she knows more than just a little bit about the administration of elections, and possibly more than anyone in the state and probably the region. It is for this reason that I wanted to have her on the podcast. I've come to realize there are so many things about the administration of elections that most of us do not know, and I wanted to bring her on to help make elections clear to all of us. In addition to a very useful discussion about election administration, we discuss her career and her love for public service. I hope you find our conversation interesting and helpful, and you know a little bit more about the upcoming election. Enjoy. Um, when I took my first job at Merriam City Hall in 1974, and um, part of my other message is, uh, if you have a passion for public service, it's okay to start from the ground up. In fact, you're better off if you do that because you know everything about everything that happens if you start and work your way up. So my first job there was, it was being um, a person that helped manage everything that went to the planning commission and so that really got me excited about public service because I realized we we're really developing a city and I got to be on the very front end of it. I got to see everything from the moment it first got brought into City Hall, the, the vision, the plans, where the landscape was going to go, what the building was going to look like, whether it meant building codes and planning codes and setback requirements and and traffic control and all the things that go into making the city actually work. And I was hooked from that point on. And so I did uh, planning commission work for a period of time and I worked my way up at city hall to become the assistant city clerk um, after several years. And then I, my career, I was city clerk there when I took the job as election commissioner in 1995. And so I, I had a little over 20 years at City Hall. So I kind of knew where, how uh, ground was divided up into subdivisions, how the addresses were assigned to building permits. And all of that really played into the job I took as election commissioner in 1995, because everything, then I went to the full county 
of Johnson County and all of the cities in Johnson County. And I already knew how everything happened within the cities and it related to all of the geographical data and all of the, the districts and streets all across the whole county and how all that impacts voters and which ballots they get to vote on election day, what districts are in their address. And it just, you know, it's just, I just fed off of it. It became um, my life passion. So my job at the election office um, was an appointed position that came to me by former Secretary of State Ron Thornburg. And in 1995, he did something totally different in the state of Kansas for appointing election commissioners. And the four big counties in Kansas have election commissioners. That's all we do. And um, Secretary Thornburg at that time decided to not make that a political appointment. He decided to take resumes. And so that was a first. And so I had an opportunity to be in that, um, in that group of firsts that he decided to do. And so he took resumes, we interviewed in front of a 10 member panel, each of us, and then they called out the final two or three and we interviewed with Secretary Thornburg. And um, I had the privilege of being selected. And so from that point on, I've always said this job has been my gift. Um, I had finally, I landed in 1995 in the career path that I would have never dreamed I was going down in a job that I, to this day, absolutely love. And that's administering elections in the largest county in the state of Kansas. Yeah, that's great. Can I, I wanted you on because I think you probably know more about <laughs> elections in Kansas or maybe even in the region than anybody in the in this area, right? You, you know more about election administration. What what were you, but can I take a step back? What were you thinking about doing going, I mean, obviously you started in the seventies, but what was, what were you thinking before you got into the public sector? Did you have any clue? Um, no, and that's the part um, that's probably gonna sound interesting because I was of, of the generate, you know, the generation from my generation of uh, not all girls went to college um, straight out of high school. Um, and so, you know, I just found that job and that job became my, um, my passion. I also had this incredible privilege and I was gonna talk about this of having women mentors who were in like executive positions. It was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I call it going to like a, a, a school, a, a, a master's program, because uh, what I learned from those um, professional women mentors, I couldn't have learned, um, I don't think, in a classroom. I could be wrong, but you know, I had a very good education, but what I learned from my mentors um, in public service um, was incredible. And I mean, that's really interesting. And uh, some of the research I do is on women in these uh, administrative positions. Was it important, do you think, that you had especially women as mentors? Yes, yeah. I do. Because it gave me, my generation, it gave me a, a focus on what I could be. Um, you know, in my my personal life, I probably never really had that. My mother was a stay-at-home mom, 
Um, and many mothers from that generation were all stay-at-home moms. So I didn't really have that, even though I had a light inside of me that I wanted to be something more, but I didn't have that uh, particular female role model. But I found that in the um, in Irene French, the mayor of Merriam, and she was the mayor of Merriam for like 25 years, but she was also a professional businesswoman who ran her own business and created her own business. And I worked for the first city administrator in Merriam was appointed and she was a woman. She was the lady that hired me. And so I saw role models, I saw women um, uh, going up the rank in public service um, and, and that really inspired me. Yeah, that, that's really important to have those, those role models to, mm -hmm. to help you see where you can go and what you can do. And right. the mentorship is always something that uh, we want and sort of strive for. Um, so you, you mentioned that in Kansas, the four big, the four largest counties have appointed um, sort of professionalized uh, election commissioners. And this is not to say that the ones that aren't do a bad job, but do you think that that's beneficial? I mean, a lot of my students are su surprised when they hear that in, in many counties around the uh, state and around the country, the person running the elections are, are also elected. <laughs> and, right. and do you think that there's a benefit, not to say that the ones that are elected are doing a bad job, but do you think there's a benefit in having that? Well, I think the difference is in the county clerks in Kansas, um, they're all elected and they do a, a, a mirage of things. I mean, they don't just do elections because the counties are smaller. And so there's really no need for um, a specialized person who only does elections. And I always, my hat's off to them because they, they have to know everything that I know, but at a much smaller, smaller level, but they still have to know it all. They can be sued for a violation of a federal election law, just like I can. The likelihood that people are gonna scrutinize elections is gonna fall much more on the larger counties in the state of Kansas, because obviously we have most of the voters, we have most of the ballots, we have, um, you know, we, we make up most of the state, um, Johnson County, Sedgwick County, Wyandotte County, and uh, Topeka, Shawnee County. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, it really is sort of amazing how in, like, I'm here in Riley County that the, the county clerk has to do, he has to do a whole lot of different things. Now he's got a great staff who sort of runs the elections, but. Yes, you know, he does. He has I to know do. him, he's been there a long time. Yes, he has. Um, but yeah, it's, it is really pretty amazing. So um, what are, can you talk a little bit about the things you do? I think a lot of people are a little, unsure about what it mean, what it takes to sort of pull off an election. Uh, what are kinds of decision, what kind of, yeah, what kind of decisions do you have? I mean, some, uh, some places around the country, there's not as much discretion, but I think in Kansas, you have a lot of discretion on what you can do or can't do. Sure, there's a lot that we don't have any control over. Um, and those are the federal election laws um, and the state election laws and um, the state 
what's called administrative regulations um, that are statewide um, for all elections happening within the state of Kansas. Within each county, we have control over small pieces. So um, our office determines how many polling places can be open and how to where to where to find those and and what voters to assign to polling places. Uh, we determine how soon and in how many locations we're going to open early in-person voting. Each county has a discretion on that, except we have to, by state law, open seven days before every election. So there, there's a little bit of um, discretion that we have. But the most important thing about election administration is we don't want too much discretion. I always say we want to be in the large boat with everybody else. And so we don't want to be making um, individual decisions that are going to be different than other colleagues in the state of Kansas. And we saw that after presidential 2000 in Florida, where different counties had different rules for how they were going to count or not count hanging, dimpled, pregnant, Chad. And then everything changed after that and nationwide, they tried to make statewide administrative guidelines that every jurisdiction within that state followed those same rules. And the state of Kansas quickly put together administrative regulations that we all, county clerks, election commissioners, we all um, go to those administrative regulations as sort of our Bible for what we're all supposed to be doing the same. Okay, and so those are things like ballot construction or, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, it's, it's like the layout of the ballot, um, counting or not counting provisional ballots. Um, we have a grid there that, that um, provides the guidelines for doing that, because we don't want to do that differently in a, in, from county to county, particularly when various counties make up the uh, complexion of a, of a state Senate race or a congressional race. We want to all be following the same rules. Yeah, I was in grad school actually in 2000 in, at, in Florida State, and so I was in Tallahassee and during uh, that during that election. During that election. Was, yeah, and it was it was pretty crazy. All the different yeah. all the different election commissioners or election boards from yes. all the different counties with all their different ballots and all their different approaches to doing things. It was yeah. really pretty amazing. Yeah, it was kind of a hodgepodge, but we've gotten yeah. a lot better across the country since then. Yeah. What kinds of things? So, so you mentioned that there are some sort of state and federal guidelines, but what kinds of things do you have to make a decision on? And um, we'll talk a little bit in a minute, I think, about the two thousand uh, our upcoming election because obviously things are changing. But when you sort of start the sort of planning for the the next election, what kinds of things do you sort of think about going ahead? Well, before we start to plan any election, we did this a long time ago and I'm back this year for the 2020, um, but we do, we created the same thing and I call it the pre-plan, but it's basically a large statistical analysis of the whole county where you pull together all your data from past elections by polling place, by precinct, by, by the type of voting pattern for the voters in all of those so that you can come up with a projection of how many voters in all the different areas of the county um, you believe are gonna vote by mail early, how many you think are gonna vote in person early, and how many you think you're actually going to have to serve on election day. 
all of that statistical data gets compiled um, and that's the beginning, it's the foundation for planning for election day. So in a presidential year, we build that plan at the beginning of the year. A lot of people think when you go to a polling place, oh, you only work one day, election day. No, we've been working on that presidential election day since January. Um, and we build for that. Um, we have to find all the polling places, which are uh, buildings that don't belong to us. And, and that's a critical factor. We don't own any of those buildings. We have to recruit business owners and property owners to allow us to uh, basically uh, come rent free on election day and utilize all of their facilities um, and bring in a lot of people and take up their whole parking lot. Um, so these are things that take time to accomplish that. And the other side to election day polling places is they all have to be ADA compliant. So the, in, the, in the world of election administration, it's not just election laws that guide you. You have, um, you have the Americans with Disabilities Act that you have to comply with on everything that you do. And all of the other federal laws that impact voting um, rights and procedures. So there's a lot of, um, for people who are thinking about a profession, there's a lot of understanding laws and being able to um, lobby for certain new laws and, and building testimony and, and understanding um, what new things need to happen? What do we need to do better? Because you can't just flip a switch in elections and make that better. You have to go through the legislature to get anything changed that's, that's in the law that you want to do better or differently. So um, it's sort of in that kind of, in that kind of line of thinking, what kinds of things do you, would you like to see be done better? I mean, like if you if you had a magic wand and say, this is the kind of thing that I would like to see. Well, there's so many things in elections that um, don't get as much attention as they need to. And of course, anybody that's in a particular profession that they care deeply about could probably say the same things as I'm going to say, because we all think um, what we're well and i believe what we're doing here in elections it is the foundation to democracy and if it's not done right we don't have democracy um, it goes out the window and it's fragile and so elections we need a lot of attention on election administration and what that means and it uh, we get attention on it when it's a close race and and then it kind of goes away and then there's a lot of drama around a particular thing and then the attention is back on it. Um, but it's not consistent. And in the world of election administration, we need consistent federal funding, state funding to serve our needs and not sporadic. Um, after 2020, you saw um, the federal government responded immediately and um, the Help America Vote Act went into play and lots of money came down from the federal government. That's the first time ever in the history of our country that the federal government has given money to election administration. And what happened from there is everybody changed everything and we changed it all at once across the country. And then yeah. that change created more meltdowns because 
there wasn't enough thought put into how we were going to change everything. So there's a big story behind all of that, but you know, the people at the local level, the election administration straighters that do the work every day, we really know what needs to be changed. And we know, and we know the tipping points um, where if you change this too quickly or too suddenly, um, there's gonna be fallout from that. And um, things that impact poll workers on election day is a big example. If you change everything that those folks have to do to open a poll and process voters without giving enough thought and preparation and training for those people, you're gonna fail on election day. So what do you mean by that? I mean, I think that's, I mean, I think that's a really interesting point. And we, we see a lot of news stories right now and obviously the, with the COVID and the, the way you're having to adapt, I think you see this in every election where lots of people blame poll workers for not doing things or machines not working right. And um, so what kinds of things in the ideal world would, would sort of benefit you working with the poll workers? Because a lot of those people are volunteers or, I mean, quasi-volunteers, right? I mean, you yeah. rely on, on They get volunteers. paid a little bit of money. They get paid a little bit of money, but um, our poll workers have to be there on November 3rd at 4.30 in the morning, and they'll stay until after seven o'clock at night. So they don't do it for the money. They do it because they care and they uh, want to support democracy and they want to be out there on election day. Um, but having said that, many of them um, this year are in the compromised age category. And so when that happens, we lose a lot of our experienced poll workers. And so now we're training here in our county over 2000 uh, new poll workers. So that adds another level of concern because then you have all new people out in the polling places um, around the county that have never done it before. Um, so there's the work, the temporary work pool and the staffing that we have to have to support elections on election day is a critical workforce for us. And it has to be supported. It, they have to be trained. They have to have hands-on training. Um, and, and it has to be very simple. And we've introduced a lot of technology through the years, which is really great. I mean, everybody's very techno-literate now. But each time you introduce some kind of a uh, technological piece of equipment, on a polling place on election day, something could go wrong with it. And um, it's like opening up 200 uh, small offices all over the county at 4.30 in the morning and expecting it all to go perfectly. Um, there's going to be a hiccup somewhere and they don't have a support staff um, like I do here in the election office. I have a couple of IT guys here that, you know, if I need something, they can fix it. But on election day, we don't have them in each polling place. So that's, so that's the critical part of election day. If we change anything, remove anything, update their policies and not give them enough time to uh, understand it and be trained on it, it we, we see the outcome on election day. Yeah, as someone who just worked their first election in August, I'm actually really surprised how smoothly it actually goes because there's lots of different things that you have to think about and know and every you know each new voter who has an issue has a unique issue it seems like and Correct. it it really is pretty amazing how smoothly everything can work given 
given the fact that a lot of people are just doing this, you know, a couple times a year at, at best. And so it's yeah, really pretty yeah, amazing. That's true. They only work one day. I always say they're the most, you know, we really need to appreciate them. They work 14 hour days. They get paid below minimum wage and they, we only, there's no job guarantee and they only maybe work one day a year and they can't make any mistakes. So mistakes are not allowed. Um, and it's, in many instances, it's on the job training uh, and you can't make a mistake. And so it's, it is a, um, they are the heart blood, they are the foot soldiers and um, they're my heroes on election day because without them, we don't open up the polling places. Yeah, it is really pretty amazing. The people that were, the election judge that I worked with, they were able to just run everything really pretty smoothly. And, you know, I don't know how many times they did it. So, but it's, I'm always surprised. So, I mean, you mentioned resources. So in terms of like making elections run, quote unquote, better, I mean, think, again, I'm saying that they, given what we're asked to do, it seems like or given what you're asked to do, it's really pretty smooth. Um, is it resources that you would say you need? Like, what are the re? Yeah, is it resources that you're always asking for? More resources, more resources. Absolutely, and and sometimes it feels like you. And this is this way in government, um, probably. You know, if you love public service, if the other side of that goes that you are in the um, public budget. Um, environment and and uh, you're spending money that doesn't belong to you and um, it belongs to the um, to the residents it belongs to the voters and so you have to be very diligent about um, how you're spending spending the money but for elections we we tend to be kind of at the bottom of the list because again the perception is we only do that you know once every other year so how could you possibly um, need anything. Um, and then it comes to the presidential election year where in our parking lot right now, there are very few places to park because we probably have 50 to 60 to 70 temporary employees here supporting a very small staff of full-time people um, working very long hours. And so then we turn into um, almost the largest um, uh, we're almost as large as the whole county government um, personnel base on election day. And I've always tried to use that analogy. I have one full-time staff person here that finds and recruits and trains over 2000 people. And uh, in the county infrastructure here in our county, that's a whole department full of people that do that for our county employees. But we have 2000 people we have to find recruit and train and we have a very 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 small staff that manages all of that including payroll um, and uh, it's pretty phenomenal what happens within the walls of this building yeah it does, it does seem pretty amazing and yeah not to mention making sure everything's right with all the different elections and all the different communities having different elections and uh, yeah. There's so many different things. We have a recall petition that's out there right now, but it hasn't um, been authorized. We have uh, two jurisdictions that probably want to do a mail ballot election and they'll be submitting that right about the time we're doing the uh, presidential election. And if those two mail ballot elections will immediately follow the presidential election, 
So there's there's always something um, going on within the walls of uh, this building, and they, it kind of goes can go in a lot of different directions. Plus, we have open records requests for anything and everything right now in the world of elections, and so we're under legal authority. It seems like um, daily, hourly now with people wanting um, information. So everything that you do in a in a government office, but particularly an election office. You're under the microscope and you live in a glass house. And that's kind of the way I describe it. We're very transparent and they can ask for anything. So be ready. <laughs> yeah, and especially right now, right? Where, yes. I, I mean, I think this is a pretty good, in some ways, a pretty good transition because I don't want to waste, uh, take too much more of your time. But um, you see in the news, if you follow things, there are lots of these sort of, um, calls for transparency given the 2000, uh, given this upcoming election. So I wanted to talk, if you don't mind, a little bit about the, this election. What are you doing differently this year, either because you want to or you have to, given the pandemic, given just everything? I mean, what, how, is, how, how have you seen it change this year versus previous times? Well, in some regards, it hasn't changed. Kansas, and I always tell people, um, my colleagues across the country are scurrying. Many of them don't have uh, really good laws that allow them to manage the influx of all these voted mail ballots that they're going to be getting. Um, Kansas law went into place in 1996 for um, advanced voting. Um, and so we've been doing this for a while. Our voters have always had three choices. And um, I was here before when um, advanced voting started. I implemented it here in Johnson County and our voters loved it from the get go. So they know, they've always known that they could vote by mail with no excuse. They can vote early in person with no excuse or they can wait and vote on their polling place on election day. So the thing that's changed this year is for the first time ever, we mailed applications for mail ballots to all of our voters in May after the pandemic had started realizing that many of our compromised age group voters would want to vote by mail. And they responded unbelievably. So we mailed out almost 110,000 mail ballots in the August election. And we, have, we will easily hit 160,000, which is well above what we projected for the presidential, because they're still coming in on a daily basis. And we've already sent out 154,000. So voters are wanting to vote by mail. And again, if you like statistics, this is a great job for you because we look at the statistical data. I love that on a daily basis. So we can see what age group is requesting the mail ballots. And it's really good news because it's like the 55 and older um, age group is way up there in, in requesting. The younger generation the uh, 18 to 29 year olds are not requesting mail ballots, which I just tell everyone I'm not surprised because my grown son really doesn't um, interact with a mailbox. He uses his <laughs> cell phone and everything else. I doubt that he even has stamps at home. Yeah. And so what the is a stamp? <laughs> you know, they're not into doing things in the mail so much as the um, 50 plus age group generation is. So, so that's working really well. So we've had to change everything internally because we weren't set up for that in this building. We have over 2,000 uh, ballot marking device um, computerized machines back here and over 250 
tabulators and six to 700 electronic poll books. So that's all geared towards what? In-person voting. And so all of this mail ballot, um, we had to re-engineer several uh, warehouse rooms that were being used for storage and turn them into um, uh, computer um, offices basically so that we had enough data entry people to get all this done. In Kansas, we have to data enter each application for each mail ballot individually and verify the signature of the voter that signed the ballot application. So it's very tedious work, takes a long time. And we only have a certain period of time to get it done. That's the other piece about elections. We have hard set deadlines, we can't move them. They're there. The ballots had to go to the post office yesterday. So whatever we had to do to get that done, it had to be finished. So we had to change a lot of things um, internally. We have far more people voting by mail and far more ballots coming back in by mail. We're doing signature verification training um, uh, later this week to the bigger team of people that are gonna be reviewing all of that. We review each signature on each return ballot envelope individually. So we have to train people on uh, how to do that. Uh, so that's all changed. Uh, we're opening more early voting locations this year because my comments are I want people to spread themselves out with the COVID pandemic. So we're giving people, we're opening them for longer periods of time. We're opening 10 um, early voting locations for about two and a half weeks. So I'm encouraging our voters if they wanna vote in person to pick a, pick a day, pick a plan and go to one of those places. If they go on election day, they're gonna be socially distanced. We don't have as many machines because we're socially distancing the equipment and there could be a line. And so we're trying to have people avoid doing election day voting if, unless they absolutely are adamant about going on election day. Yeah, we really have an election season now instead of election yes. day. <laughs> yes, we really do. And that's the trend, I think, for the future um, in elections in our country. I think you'll find more and more people, voters like having a choice. You know, they want to do it their way. We have voters that are adamant about voting by mail and they're very vocal about it. They call us. We also have the same number of voters that are adamant about voting in person. They don't wanna vote by mail. So voters want a choice and, that, and that's my message. We need to serve all of them. Yeah, so yeah, sort of along those lines, what, what do you think we're doing sort of maybe yeah, your colleagues nationally. What do you, do you what have you seen that people are doing well or maybe not so well? You don't have to name names or places, but when places aren't doing the things that they should be doing to give people those options, what do you think? What's what are they doing well and not so well? I guess. Um, well, the biggest thing about options is you have to plan for the worst case scenario in every one of those options. Because when we did early, when we did advanced voting for the first time here in Johnson County, we had no statistics. We were the largest county in the state and we didn't have a clue um, how the voters were going to want to vote. So we had to be ready on all fronts. So we had to over plan for election day. We had to over plan for in-person voting and we had to over plan for by mail. And it really is a change in election administration because you're running three major elections all at the same time. In the old days, you ran one election. It was election day. And so a lot of colleagues across the country are very used to just doing that. And so 
And the other thing is that elected officials and budget officials don't understand that if you run three elections all at the same time, it obviously equals it costs more money to do that. Um, so there is a convenience factor for the voter. And so that always is a factor that a lot of people want to debate. How convenient do we make it? And how much money are we going to spend on doing it? So those are, those are um, you know, legislative issues, policy decisions that have to be made. And election administrators are the voice. Um, we're the people that have to collect the statistics. We have to bring the data with us. We can't just show up and uh, lobby for particular laws just because we want them. We have to be clear in what we are saying and bring statistical analysis to the table. More and more election administrators are becoming more along those lines. Um, the officials in the past probably were more the pen and paper um, type folks. Um, that technology kind of frightened them. And so we're seeing, a, we're seeing kind of a transition in the pool of election officials we have nationwide. Um, we have a lot of um, universities that are doing um, actually master's degree programs in election administration. And so I always encourage uh, the young students to take a tour here that if you really love politics, this is your place because you don't have to run for office, but you're right in the middle of it. And uh, it's where it's happening. Yeah, it, it, is, pretty, it is pretty great that the, there, there's so much about the politics and government that you can glean from being working elections, just working elections. And the good part of it is you don't have to, you can't, in fact, you have to be impartial. So I really don't care who wins. And a lot of people look at me and go, sure. No, I really don't. And election officials don't care. We just don't want a close election. So as long <laughs> as the numbers are big and wide, we're happy. We don't care. Um, and so we're really immune to all of the political campaigning and the ads. And, um, and you have to adhere to a very strong code of ethics if you're in elections. You may not ever cross that line and even give any perception that you favor one candidate or another. And that can be one of the most challenging things in this job. Yeah, do you vote? I vote. Yeah, okay. And I tell people that call on the phone and, and I vote in person because I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving my ballot to the post office. Okay, well, let me, add, let me ask you that. I've just got a couple more quotes. What would you tell the public? What would you want them to know in the next couple of weeks? Like one thing that you would want them to know about sort of the, you know, the election. You're the control freak. You don't want to trust the post office. But what would you tell the public? Well, I would tell uh, the public if they're going to vote by mail to be sure to return your ballot as soon as you get it, if you're going to use the postal system because we have far more ballots out there for the November presidential nationwide than we've ever had before. So um, be sure to do that, put it in the mail as soon as you can. Here in Johnson County, we have a total of eight drop boxes that are um, gonna be stationed all around the county. That's an additional thing we're doing this year. If you wanna be sure it gets to us, take it to one of our drop boxes. And most of the jurisdictions across Kansas have drop boxes. So find out where those are at and take it right to the election office by putting it in a drop box. That's the um, by mail voters. And we encourage you, 
if you have any fears about anything regarding the pandemic this year to vote by mail. And then you can vote in person where you can, uh, there's not as many people, it's a very controlled environment and vote, um, and vote that way. But the most important thing is to be sure to vote. Your vote is so important. It's the most precious thing you have. We're doing a little thing here in Johnson County with having the grade school kids and middle school kids that are homeschooling do um, posters about democracy and voting and uh, it can't have any political things on it or candidates. And we're just getting them in daily here. We had a student bring one in this morning with her mother and it was kind of a poem and it was, at, it just almost, you know, uh, broke me up as I was reading it with this young student. Cause she was, she wants people to vote for her future. And then in 2028, she's gonna vote for the future of others. And what a powerful message from a fifth grader and I'm never going to forget that moment with that young child. And so we have an ability to impact uh, young students and they are our future. And so the kids are, the kids are getting excited here in Johnson County by bringing, we're going to display all their posters at our early in-person locations to add just another touch to um, the atmosphere. Because I believe that people have a good experience when they come to vote. And that's my job to make sure it's good they will come back in every election. And the most important thing, it's not just about the presidential election, folks. It's every election, the local elections, your city council people, your school board representatives, those people impact your daily life where you live. Be sure to get out there and vote for everyone in every election. Yeah, that's great advice. Um, I've, I've seen some of your uh, pictures of those posters on your Twitter on your Twitter yes. account, and they look—they're really great. I think it's, I love uh, them. I think that's amazing. Yeah. So, well, this has been great. I want to end with because I don't want to take too much more of your time. I want to end. This is a kind of a question that we ask everybody, but a lot of the people who are listening are new to the public sector or soon to be new to the public sector, working in government. What would you give? Some, what piece of advice would you give the new public sector employee or, I don't know, the Connie Schmidt who just starting out in, in their career? Is there some piece of advice you'd like to give them? Well, my most important thing, and this is kind of what I've told my children and my grandchildren, um, sometimes public sector jobs don't pay like the private sector does. And I've always told my children and here even internally in this office I like to I want to know that I've made an impact find your passion don't find your dollars find your passions the dollars may come they may not come but if you don't enjoy what you're doing every day if it's not your purpose for getting up and going to work what a bad that's just not I don't want to live that way so my passion is what I'm doing here at the election office a side issue over here is I get paid. But quite honestly, most people that work here, the temps that come in here, the people that work on election day, they do this work because it's their passion. They feel like they're making a difference. So find your passion in public service. And, and it's out there. Public service, you're, you're, take, you're helping people. Um, from my experience at City Hall, it was from um, their dog got picked up and is now in the dog pound to 
um, a traffic ish, a traffic citation that's going to take a lot of money for them to pay. You are serving people in their daily life, and and it's just a really important, uh, wonderful field of work to be in, in my opinion. But it has to be your passion. You can tell if it is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. This has been great, and thank uh, you. good luck with everything. I hope everything goes smoothly. Um, I hope you can get everything done as quickly as possible for your sake uh, in a couple of weeks and that they're, I hope we'll be done by nine o'clock. You will be done by nine. We'll be huh? done by nine o'clock. See, okay. you have to believe and I'm the cheerleader and they know we're going to be done by nine o'clock. How do the mail-in ballots work? Do you, do you process the mail-in ballots too that yes. night? Yes. And that's a good thing about Kansas law that we got changed in 1996. And I, lo I lobbied and went to Topeka for that law, which allows large any county to electronically process and store the ballot images as they are arriving. And so on election day, when the polls close, we'll be able to begin the tabulation. We'll already have everything queued up. And so that's going to make it a lot smoother here in Kansas than it will in some of the other states. Excellent. So nine o'clock, you heard nine it. Nine o'clock. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you.